0: you <coughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. Looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host Ryan and joining me this week is my guest co-host Travis. How's it going Travis?
1: Hey Ryan, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be back.
0: Yes, we've got uh, Final Fantasy, we've got Elden Ring to talk about and Nintendo Direct. Uh, we even can dive into like some uh, FTC lawyer uh back and forth talk between Xbox and PlayStation. So like lots of stuff that we know so much about. Uh <laughs> well, okay. Maybe those first three things. The last one, you know, we'll we'll do our darndest to to sift through that. Um but yes, Travis is here this week. Jocelyn is off this week and uh we hope to have her return next week to to talk about her time with uh with Final Fantasy sixteen uh which she I'll say this. Okay. I'll say this. When it came to final fantasy 16, it was not at all on my radar. I, I, I knew of it. And I was like, I'm excited for those that are excited to play this because I know a mainline final fantasy game comes along every so often. And personally, 16 kind of felt like, wow, we're already getting 16. This is kind of crazy. Uh, although I say that like, when did final fantasy, uh, 15 come out. That that was definitely a PS4 game. Um now I'm trying to now I'm trying to look it up slyly while we're while we're talking here. So Yeah,
1: it's it's been a while for that one. Uh and then I know the Royal Edition came out um a few years later as well. So it uh it's been quite a while. I think it was 2016 was the initial release. Yep. That-
0: Late 2016. And yeah, okay, so that's uh that's seven years ago. That's quite a while. So, like, I guess we were due up for a Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> okay, so there you go. Uh, I feel like Final Fantasy 15 was a game that they that had a long tail to it as well, uh, as you said, the Royal Edition and and a bunch of DLC. So, yeah. Anyways, I, I, like, so it wasn't on my radar, and then the demo came out, and again, I downloaded it. It was like, oh, a demo for a major. Uh, console exclusive, uh, PlayStation Five. Let's let's download this demo and then I didn't touch it. And then <laughs> Jocelyn messaged me and she says like, "Oh, you got to play the demo. It's amazing." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I will. Uh, I will check out the demo."
1: She seemed pretty all in whenever it came up on the on the show this past week. So yeah, I'll be excited to hear her. I, I mean, I'm excited to hear your thoughts, but I'll, I'll to hear hers as well um, whenever she's able to join next week. So so you played the demo, and it sounds like that might have changed your mind a little bit.
0: It did. Yeah. So having played the demo, I was uh, I was kind of so the game feels different to me. And of course, it feels Final Fantasy like there's a lot there that feels very Final Fantasy from the menu system to the combat um, to even the dialogue and story and just the writing uh, of like the lore bits and stuff. Um, But it does feel it, it felt different in terms of tone uh the comparisons to Game of Thrones uh are very much <laughs> there uh and and feel uh you know very apt in terms of that description. Um and, and in terms of the maturity level as well like they there's a reason like I know there was talk like oh it's it's the first M Final Fantasy and I can see uh <laughs> I can see why. Like there's literally a line where the guy's just dropping F bombs um <laughs> That's his line. He's just, it's like three minutes
1: into the game. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and that, uh, that demo really showcases, like, I guess there's, so it showcases like the dual timelines. Like it's telling a story in the, in the present as well as the past. Uh, you're dealing with your main character, Clive, who is mysterious when first introduced with this, this, uh, this band of mercenaries, I'm assuming. And there's a bit of a story going on in the background, warring, uh, factions and uh like people who can turn into these icons uh which are the the summonable uh, monsters or uh i always thought of them as spirits in the other games uh limited knowledge when it comes to like th- those characters they had them in the final fantasy 7 remake I- i'm trying to remember what they called them but they weren't icons they were something different right
1: yeah, so in, in seven, they're just summons. Right. Um, they, have, they have different names depending on which Final Fantasy you're playing. Um, in six, for example, they're espers. Uh, in seven, they're just summons. Uh, and here in 16, we're calling them icons. And it's icon with a delightful spelling of E I K icon instead of, <laughs> instead of just icon like you would expect.
0: No, well, that's, that's the Final Fantasy way. You got to make sure that you have and I get it, like having a unique spelling and a u- unique way of uh, of pronouncing something so that you can stand out like instead of gold, it's gill. you know, um, you got to have that. And and I think like as you progress through the demo and uh, you you go, it shows you the past. Uh, well, even before you get to the past, like there's also this like cinematic quality to to just the the gameplay as you're like, I think there was a moment before you go back to the past um, where you're running through this. So we talked about these warring factions and then these two icons show up and they're battling. Uh, and, and that's happening like not in the background, but like happening where you are traversing, you are trying mm-hmm. to get across this battlefield to to do something. And as you're traversing the battlefield, like these two gigantic, uh, Godzilla size type monsters are fighting and the and the, the land around you is just being torn apart by this fight. And it is all happening in real time as you are controlling this character running through this 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 changing landscape, uh brutal changing. I, I think one character literally like and there's gonna be slight spoilers, this is the demo. Uh, but there's these characters you meet for the first time, so I don't know if I don't know if at that moment you can. <laughs> really worry about it but but a character literally gets squished by like a giant rock that just falls out of nowhere and uh and i was like wow this is uh this is not the final fantasy that i'm that i'm used to where like characters are kind of uh, they have plot armor right they're immune to what what would normally be like falling debris like i'm surprised uh i didn't (laughs) my character didn't die you know So, uh,
1: very short game,
0: (laughs) exactly a very, well, at least a game over screen. Right. And, and I think like there's, there's moments like that. And then as you go into the past and you're sort of learning new things and you're having conversations with characters, like it just, they've, they've also gone back to this more medieval final fantasy. Like it's, it's less future futuristic, you know, uh, I think final fantasy seven kind of kicked off that trend of like getting away from. The traditional I have not played a lot of the Final Fantasy games but I played some and I feel like post seven it kind of gets into this its own it's like its own genre of like futuristic but still you know swords and shields and magic type stuff uh whereas I feel like early Final Fantasy was more about swords shields magic that sort of stuff
1: yeah one one through six are pretty well in the fantasy realm, like the, the traditional, you know, sword and board, um, sword and sorcery type stuff. Um, six, you start to get a little bit more into tech with some more, I would say like engineering type technology. And then seven is where it starts to for sure get a little bit more on like the steampunky um, side of things. Um, and then it's kind of jumps around back and forth with, with how the, later games are with the more recent ones being, uh, more modern, more, I don't, I'm hesitant to say sci-fi I'm talking about something like 15, but, um, like 13 has more sci-fi elements and things like that coming in. Um, so it, it bounces around a lot, but you're right. It was more traditional fantasy up through at least, you know, five for sure. And then six mostly as well. Um, but 16, <sighs> you said a lot of great things in your introduction there. I'm sort of like, I don't, I don't really know where to jump in and where to start. Um, so I, I guess just to, to comment quickly on where I'm coming from. So first, before I say anything, I really like this game. Um, I find that when I'm talking about games, like I often will comment on things on negatives more so than things that I like. And I, and I, I worry that I come off as negative about, um, about the game and I don't I don't intend to be that way. So first off, I really like the game. Um, second, as far as my history with the series, I've played and finished most of the mainline titles. So like one up through 10, two, I've finished, uh, 12, all three 13s, uh, 15, and now uh, 16. I've also played Tactics and Remake, um, or seven Remakes. So I've I've played most of the series. Um, so you were very spot on when you made the comment that like this feels different, and I know there's a lot of discussion going on uh, as far as like whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, and I don't really want to get into any of that. I just want to validate that, in my opinion, as someone who's played a lot of the other games, this does have a different feel um And there's also a lot of discussion about, and and I think this is accurate and merited as well, that every Final Fantasy is different, which is very much true. So people ask, well, how can this one be different from something else that you already admit they're all different? Um, And I guess kind of what I'm, and I'll kick it back to you after I finish this thought, but... Where I'm coming from is like you said. This is a much darker tone. This focuses primarily on Clive, the main character. Um, you play solely, at least as far as I've gotten now. Um, there's one section that's in the demo where you play as another character. Aside from that, I believe you play as Clive the entire time. There's not that focus on like an ensemble cast like you have in a lot of the other games. The action is not turn-based. It is uh, like plays like a straight action game. Um, it's not even. Broken down with ATB the way you had in Final Fantasy VII, um, and again, I'm not making any commentary that that any of that is bad. Um, I really like the game, but for anyone who says this doesn't feel like Final Fantasy, that's kind of where they're coming from. Um, except for a lot of the like a lot of the throwbacks. Like if you take away the icons, you take away chocobos and things like that. This could very well play as a new IP, and I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Um, so if you're looking for, if you're someone that's played a lot of the series and you're looking for like the follow-up to final fantasy six that never came, this isn't it. Um, that said, this is still very much a final fantasy game. It's, it just plays differently. And it's, it's a great title from what I've, um, from what I've experienced so far with it, uh, Ryan, it sounded like you're really enjoying it as well. And you were able to pick up on. on on it being slightly different than a lot of the predecessors. Um, So uh, did you have any other thoughts or feelings on any of that? Or uh, I I guess just kicking it back to you to respond to anything that I've said there.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like another thing that kind of stuck with me before I played the demo, and the demo didn't really change my opinion on this, but like the trailers made me feel like the cast of characters uh, was not as... uh, interesting as previous final fantasy games to me you know it it didn't jump out at me as like oh wow i can't wait to play the adventures of clive like it didn't i don't know <laughs> that that didn't connect
1: yeah they're they're like real characters and what i mean by that is like there there are characters there are interesting characters but they're like normal people characters or they're game of thrones characters they're not uh, you know, Barrett from Final Fantasy VII, who's way over the top on a, on their mission. You're not going to have a character like you did in Final Fantasy VI that's just a Yeti for some reason. Um, you don't have these kind of like whimsical, like the, the whimsy and playfulness that's present in a lot of the Final Fantasy games is not here for this. Um, that's not to say there's not any humor or, or entertainment, but this is a very different type of game um, than some of those other ones. And that comes your comment on, on the types of characters and party members is spot on. Like they're just, I, I hate to say that they're not memorable. That's not the point that I'm trying to make, but they don't stand out as much because they don't have some outlandish quality or crazy feature like a lot of the other Final Fantasy characters do. They're just regular people who are living in this world and and dealing with the darkness and the themes of the game that that come through. Um, and they're just, they're, they're companions. They're real people. And it's it's about, not just about the characters, but about the character of the characters and how they're coping with the world that they're in and, and managing to get through. So it's a very, d- despite our comments on, uh, on Kaiju and and enormous monsters and things like that, it's a very human story as well, uh, which yeah. is kind of nice and welcome. in in my opinion,
0: yeah, it, it's, um, you, you mentioned the giant monsters and, uh, that are fighting in the background, like, uh, like sort of a, a kaiju sort of fight. But then my brain immediately goes like the characters feel like they're more grounded in, in the world that right. they set up, <laughs> even though right. there are these giant monsters. I, I just, um and look, the demo did address this a little bit for me uh, with, the, from the character standpoint, because uh, specifically it was the moment in the demo where um, you as Clive, past Clive are basically told like, Hey, we got to go to war but we're going to prove you we're going to prove yourself by sending you and two men to this village that has monsters or this abandoned village that seems to have more monster activity. And it was those two characters that they send you with that. I was like, Oh, it's just the, you know, two standard dudes, two standard, uh, you know, helper sort of characters, but then they have like a personality. They have, they have interactions with Clive and, and, and interactions with the world, uh and the dialogue and stuff in it, and i just like okay no these these are interesting characters like i thought these were going to be two two soldiers that show up and they're just sort of like npcs that follow you around but they are they they are characters they have personality and they they um their actions continue throughout throughout the demo uh i mean like but but by the time you finish the demo, you're like, wow, they really watched season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or you know, well, okay, I'll be perfectly honest. I had not read the books. So, like, that's my thought. But, like, at home, folks who read the books, like, wow, they really read what's available uh, of the Game of Thrones series uh, books. Um, and I really wish he would write Winds of Winter or whatever. Whatever's coming still,
1: next. Still waiting. It's been, like, <laughs> ten years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. But hey, you know what? Along the way, we'll have uh, such delights as uh, Final Fantasy 16, which did not end up being a Breath of the Wild version of, of Final <laughs> Fantasy. So I know Jocelyn's really happy about that. I was honestly surprised, though, from a from a VO standpoint, from voiceover, that uh, Jocelyn didn't pick up that uh, two of the characters, not one, but two, are voiced by uh, the main characters from uh, uh, The Plague Tale games so joshua his voice to me just stood out immediately and it's it's the little kid it's hugo from a plague's tale and i think jill uh the girl with the dog in the past is voiced by <laughs> the main character uh in those games uh the sister uh um, amelia um, um I, th- I feel like that's not right but um it's it's close
1: i yeah I have not played the uh, the Plague Tale games, so I can't comment on uh, on the comparison specifically. But I I agree with you in the sense that they they seem to have put a premium on uh, on casting and on the performances, and uh, I think that definitely shows. I think the. The the VO is all, and I've only played um, I've only played the English version. So if you're playing in French or Japanese or any other localization that's available, I can't speak to any of that. Um, but I've been I've been very impressed with the performances, and uh, and I'd also since we're talking about audio, would be remiss if I didn't say that the music is also outstanding.
0: Oh, um, the 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 fanfare uh, battle ending, um, what they've done with that, like the oh man, epic! I want that to play. Like whatever what they've done with Final Fantasy sixteen, like I want that soundbite. It's going to be so many people's. I, I think it'd be annoying as a text tone, but maybe like maybe you could turn it into a ringtone and and you'd mm. be able. It'd be really cool. But it's like epic, but familiar at the same time, and it is literally the Game of Thronesification of of that of that <laughs> battle ending theme. You know, it is. Uh, we're gonna keep bringing up Game of Thrones. I feel like it is. I don't know if they specifically said it in interviews, but I think they, they must've, they must've said like, Hey, we took a, we looked at game of Thrones and we thought, let's do that. You know?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if they've specifically ref, referenced it. Um, but I can tell you like, so I streamed it, um, on, on release day. I streamed <clears throat> that evening and I played, uh, for about three hours. So I did the demo and went a, a bit further. the next day, um, you know, I was talking to my wife and she asked how the stream went. And my one of my comments on the games was just like, you know, I know you don't really play a lot of games and you have never really gotten into Final Fantasy in particular, uh, but there's a lot of stuff in the beginning of this game that I think you would enjoy. It's very Game of Thrones. Um, so that was, that was my initial take. And then I've heard some reviews. Um, I heard another, I was listening to uh, What's Good Games this morning. And someone that they had on also made the same comparison to Game of Thrones. So if it hasn't been mentioned by by Square Enix in particular, it certainly seems to be the conclusion that a lot of people playing the game are are drawing. Uh, or I should say the comparison that they're drawing.
0: It, it's fine to look at something. I think these days everything is inspired by something. Um, and it's, I think it's totally fine. Like having played the demo, I, I definitely got the Game of Thrones... Vibes and not just due to like the fates of specific characters. Um, but there's a lot the demo, specifically, I keep coming back to the demo because that's what I played. But for folks who are on the fence, the demo, which I believe is going to be around for the foreseeable future, is is such a great marketing tool specifically for this game because I think it sells both the idea of Final Fantasy 16 as a Final Fantasy game, but also Final Fantasy 16 as something. Different from very different from my experience with Final Fantasy 15 in terms of characters and tone and, and story. So, the demo and the demo is large. I think it gives you a, a very good idea of the story, the characters, the, the dual timelines, uh, the combat, the cinematicness of everything. It's not a real word, but like they literally have uh, in combat. And again, it was that specific moment where you're in that village with those two characters like tr- trying to, you know, take out these uh, these goblins. Um it was that moment in the demo where I was like, "Okay, I I think I'm sold on this game because it introduces um cinematic combat where like there are these specific moments in combat. So combat is as we said, it's very action focused. It's not it's not turn-based. It doesn't have the Final Fantasy 7 pause and and initiate commands you are controlling clive and only clive and the other characters are sort of you know set up to do as they will ai based and uh but there are these moments where especially in boss battles um these cinematic moments i think it's cinematic uh defense and or an evasive cinematic evasion and a cinematic strike i think i got that right
1: Yes, I think that's right. There is another one. I'm not sure if it happens in the demo or not, but there's there's a third cinematic oh, is there um, quick time type thing that you can that you can do later on as well. Yep.
0: Yeah, and it is, and that's a good point. It is a quick time event, but it's like it's very generous because you know, like it's um I think the cinematic strike, it's red. The screen has this red hue and a big giant like uh timer shows up and you're pushing the the r1 button no no r1 so
1: evade yeah evade evade is red and that's on r1 and strike is blue and that's on square
0: right but the button you're pushing is what you would push if you were striking or evading so it's not a different button
1: Right. And it's, and like you said, it's a very generous, I, I mean, I wouldn't even call it a timer. It's kind of like, Hey, push this button. You idiot is, is kind of like what it's doing. <laughs> Do something um, cool already. Come on. Right. And I, I, I see both sides of it. Um, in, in that, like, I understand cause it, it is very cinematic. I guess the key point is it tends to happen like in the middle of, of a battle or like when you have uh, a boss's health down, like you know they still have two thirds of their health left. It's not like the finishing move necessarily. It's just like a key point in an ongoing battle. Um, but I know I've, I've heard from some folks that are like, no, don't make me do a quick time event in the middle of the in the middle of a cutscene. Just let me watch the cutscene. Leave me alone. Um, and then I'm kind of having the opposite experience where I'm really enjoying having that. I mean, it's just one button press. You're not doing a combo. You're not doing anything fancy. Um, but it really like it makes me feel like hey i am engaged here i am causing this to happen i'm not just sitting back and watching the watching a movie here um so i'm really enjoying those those little um interludes i guess is a good way to describe them
0: yeah it it really feels like uh it feels like a moment of it's a moment of cinematic greatness where um i think one that stands out is uh the, the monster you fight, the final boss in that sort of bog area is this like giant uh, plant monster thing. And, and it it like has this vacuum attack where it'll try to, you know, suck you into its mouth. Uh, and you you your character is like struggling. So you're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to like mash a button here. But no, it's just push a button, do a cool thing and stab the guy in the head. And, you know, and it's just... Um, it works really well as this uh this way to kind of keep the pace of combat moving uh and and we'll talk about a, a game with a very different pace in combat uh later <laughs> on but you know it it's it's quite the opposite of uh other combat systems like i think even like a game we played earlier was tears of the kingdom like it has a very that has a very specific focus on combat like you know it's not it's not action paced it's it's basically like stay alive long enough to 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 uh to kill the things that are trying to kill you. But I think in Final Fantasy sixteen it's like a lot more it's a lot more fast paced. It's quick, you know? You 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 mm-hmm. wanna you wanna evade. You wanna get in, do your combo, you know, get out of the way. There's a lot of like uh uh you know perfect dodge systems um where if you're dodging at the last minute you can you can hit a follow up uh to to quickly follow up and get a bonus attack. There are different combos you can unlock. Um, The one thing I thought was really cool about the combat was uh, your ability to uh, parry um, by just, you know, attacking at the same moment that the enemy attacks. Um, So it's not you having to push a differ button. Again, it's you just, you know, it's the the contextual moment of you, like using your attack against their attack. And then suddenly, like, you're able to interrupt their attack and 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 create this, like, parry moment, uh, which I think stumbles them a bit. And then there's the stagger system and all that in there, too. And this is all introduced to you uh, in the demo. And I, and what I thought was a really cool tutorial moment, like, they handled the tutorial very well. Um, as I said, they give you a ton in the demo. Like, I think, like, if you, if you leave that demo and you get through the whole thing, kind of know whether or not you want to pick this one up or, or or add it to a list and and get back to it at some point <laughs> which is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get it later am i can't get it now i've got too much on my plate uh i've got another world to conquer you know and and uh in a different a different realm um but i just i i thought the combat system was was very cool and again i've only experienced like just the you know tip of the iceberg i think
1: so since since we're talking about the combat system uh, and pacing as well, there's a couple things. I have a question that I want to ask you and, and something else that I feel like we should touch on um, from the standpoint of if anyone's listening to this after the demo goes away or anything like that and they still want to know, should I pick this up? Is this for me? Um, because as you might have heard, uh, the combat system was designed by the same lead designer that handled Devil May Cry. Um, devil may cry is not my cup of tea personally. Um, so I was always a little nervous, like, Oh, it, <laughs> are we going to put devil may cry in my final in my final fantasy? Is that going to ruin it for me? Um, and I can tell you for me, it has not. Um, but to get into a little bit more about how the combat works, one thing I want to touch on is the pacing of it. And then I have a question for Ryan as well that might, um, it, answer people's questions about difficulty and learning curve and things like that. Um, so as far as the pacing goes, combos are not as like crazy devil may cry needing to jump up in the air and do three different other button combinations or anything like that. Um, all of your your attack combos you use triangle to throw magic. Um, there's no MP. There's no cooldown for magic. It's just like a simple... It's It's very weak. That's kind of the the toss off of it so you can't just stand back and fling spells all day. Um, But magic is just on triangle, so hit triangle, you shoot off whatever spell you've got equipped, very simple. Um, Your primary attacking combos, it's square four times, that's it. Um, And then the, the add on to that is you do square four times and then triangle at the end will add a little magic burst. So that's as complicated as the actual combat gets Where you get into a little bit more depth is you have special abilities that are on cooldowns that you use with R trigger and then one of the face buttons, depending on the controller setup. Um, so you can kind of weave those in and out. And what's interesting with those is as the game progresses, you start off with two of those two abilities in the demo. As the game progressive progresses, you unlock additional abilities on top of that. So I'm at a point where instead of having two in the demo, I now have six. Um, so it gets a lot more interesting in that I'm not, I'm still using square, you know, auto attack type stuff pretty regularly, but I now have six additional abilities that I can use on cooldown instead of two. Um, so the combat gets a lot more involved and varied and you can sort of do different things on it. Um, but it's not an overwhelmingly difficult or complicated system. So I just thought I would, um, put that description out there to kind of give you an idea of how combat works to help decide, is this for you or not? Um, barring just being able to play the demo yourself. The other thing, and this is what I want to ask Ryan, Ryan, while you were playing, did you use any of the rings?
0: Um, no, no, I didn't.
1: I, I assume they're included in the... Do you know what I'm talking about? Or are you, are you like what rings? What?
0: No, no, no. They, uh, they introduced the rings, uh, way through the demo and, and like uh, this demo, um, It is very much like the first two hours of the game. It's like they took the game and said, all right, chunk out the first two hours, slap a pre-order, splash at the end of it, call it like obviously it's not that easy. But like to me, that's what 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 this was is the is the start of the game. Uh, So, yeah, you get those rings.
1: That's what happens in the full game as well, which (laughs) is just my funny experience of playing it. You know, you're playing, you're playing, you do all this crazy stuff and you have this super epic intro. And then two hours in, as things start to calm down and resolve a little bit, then the title card flashes. And you're like, oh my God, that was the cold open. Like, how did, yeah. how did all of that just happen for two hours? Late title card, now? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, and I didn't play the demo, so I don't know for sure, but I think probably that title card flashes where the demo ends. That would be my guess. Um, but the point that a uh, topic that I brought up was the rings. And they're... Uh, I won't get too into the weeds on them. And again, if anyone's concerned about combat difficulty, is this going to be for me? I don't know if I can handle the real-time stuff, any of that. There are, I think it's five different rings um, that I don't want to say, it's not like cheat enablements. Um, It's more like quality of life things that if a certain part of the combat doesn't click for you, there's probably a ring that you can wear that helps mitigate some of that unclickiness. Um, so for example, Ryan mentioned, um, the dodging and trying to do perfect dodges. So there's two rings that are helpful with that. One just makes you automatically dodge everything. So you don't have to worry about that at all. Um, if the attack comes in and it's blockable, uh, you just dodge it automatically. Um, so that's. And again, I don't. I, I'm not going to call it easy mode or anything like that because there are unblockable attacks. There are situations where if you're doing something else, you can still get hit even wearing this ring. Um, but if if there's any concern over like I don't know if I can keep up with things attacking me in real time, that's one option to mitigate it. Um, the one that I prefer over that is there's another one that anytime you get attacked, you don't auto dodge, but it flashes one of those sort of quick time things on the screen where it'll give you, I don't know, a second and a half, two seconds to hit R1. Um, And then you can actually make like it slows it down, gives you a quick time opportunity to do the dodge yourself without having to like visually read the enemy's attack. You just know uh, all I have to do is push the button whenever it pops on screen. Um, So you can dodge that way and then do the the, uh, timed counter strike right after. So that makes things uh, to be honest with you, there's so much going on in the game, especially in boss battles, that it's it's hard to like read incoming attacks just because of the spectacle of everything. So I find throwing this ring on, um, you know, it helps you, it prevents you from getting hit whenever you don't realize what's happening on screen, uh, and you still have to be an active participant um, and dodge and do things it's not just doing it for you, but it's giving you that opportunity to say like, Hey, you're getting attacked. Now's the time to, to do your inputs, to do your, your dodge encounter. Um, so that's a nice quality of life thing. Uh, another example, there's one that controls the dog for you. Um, or mentioned there's a dog, um, uh, dog companion or party member that you can issue attack commands, heal commands, things like that. There's a ring that will make the dog totally be on AI. So you don't have to micromanage it. So, um again quality of life thing do you want to be in control of the dog or do you want to be in control of the dog but not tell him to do anything ever and just have him be useless or um do you want to use one of your ring spots to have it um have the game ai micromanage the dog attacks for you just so you don't have to worry about it so uh, I, i forget what the other ones do those are just three of the more um Uh, the ones that stand out to me more. I think there's another one that gives you, it does all your combos. All you have to do is um, push square one time or something like that. And it like auto combos for you. Um, So if the combat system that we're talking about does not sound like your jam, there's probably some kind of accessory you can equip equip that will mitigate your concerns um, and make it more fun for the way that you want to play, which I thought was a really cool not quite accessibility feature but it certainly makes the game more accessible to a wider audience.
0: Yeah. It it certainly makes it more approachable and I think that I think there is was, there was conversation on um on core last week cuz I know Scott and John are are playing playing this uh playing Final Fantasy quite a bit and you know there was there was one point they made that I I did want to echo and give them credit for cuz that's where I, I heard it. it was basically like Most games, and I know PlayStation has really pushed for, um, all their first party titles having really great accessibility options. And these, uh, while I don't know for certain, like, I think that these items, uh, are a a great way to, to sort of have some, some additional approachability options in there. And the fact that they interact, they, they, they incorporate them as items, um, instead of a menu option, I think uh, brings them forward right away. Like, you know, they're there. You don't have to dig in the menu for them. They are presented as like, Hey, we have these five items. We're going to give them to you now. Um, take a look at them. If you want to use them. Great. If not, don't worry about it. They're there as optional sort of, uh, you know, ways to modify your gameplay. And I think the one argument some that uh, was made is like, well, they do take up a slot, but like, you know the chances of you equipping all five, um, or maybe equipping them at the beginning, and then once you're more used to the game and, and replacing them with other equipment like that might come down the road. But they do take up a slot, right? Like they are not—they um, are not—they they do take take up an equipment slot, right?
1: They do. So and it, it's fairly generous though, in that the game gives you three three ring slots. So you okay. still have like you have your armor slot, your I think it's like a belt slot and then in, um, like gre, um, not greaves, bracers or gauntlets or something. So you have three regular armor slots. And then on top of that, you have three ring slots or three accessory slots or whatever. Um, and you do not, so how I'm playing right now, I don't want to micromanage the dog. Um, I just, cause the, the dog is also on the, um, the D pad, and so are your potions. And I don't really like to have to swap between the dog and the potions. I, and honestly, it's just micromanaging a second character is just not something I'm interested in doing. Um, that said, I also don't want to use a ring slot for one. So I just kind of let the dog not do a whole lot, and that's working just fine for me. So that's an if there's five of these rings, that's an example of one that you don't need to use. If you're okay with playing a certain style, um, the dodge ring and that second ring that I mentioned—that um, you know gives you the QuickTime prompt—those are basically the same ring. Um, you would not ever wanna wear both of those at the same time because they do, I don't even know if you can, but they have the same functionality in that they both make you dodge. It's just one makes it easier and the other one makes it automatic. So that's two of the three, right? Or two of the five right there that you don't really need to use. Um, or you would only need to use one of the other. So it's very much a customizable thing. Um, you do have the um, the argument, like you said, is that, they do take up a slot, so you are using them in place of something else. Um, but it's like I don't know, to me it's not that big of a deal for the most part. It's like, do I want plus five defense or like plus two percent strength or whatever, or would I rather have the game like I will be more successful having this dodge ring on because I'm not gonna get as hit hit as often. I'll be more successful that way than if I put something that up my defense a little a couple points. Um so I look at it. Yeah, is there a more optimal way to do it? Probably, but this makes it. I think this will help people customize their playstyle, and it'll make the game more suitable to the way that they want to play it. Uh, which, in turn, will allow them to have more fun with it and ultimately be more successful um, in their journey and their story. So, even though it does take up a slot, I think it's very much worth it if you want to use some of those assists. Assists, um, but that's that's sort of just my take. I mean, I'm using, I'm using one of them right now. Um, I use the the R1 dodge ring just because it makes combat a little bit more manageable. And like I mentioned before, there's so much going on on screen that I sometimes have trouble tracking it. And it's just nice to be able to sit back and not have to try so hard um, to just know like, hey, the game will tell me when something's happening. I don't have to like watch six different enemies and all these particles and try to time the dodge. Like it'll tell me when I need to dodge. Um, so that makes it more fun for me. Um, that's what I've been, I've been using and I have some other good accessories that I could use. Um, but I have no regrets about dedicating one of my slots to a ring that makes the game more fun. Um, yeah. but that's, that's my experience.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, I never really, um, dug into the rings, but I think that that one specifically sounds really cool. Cause again, like it, it, it keeps, uh, it, it keeps your, <laughs> it keeps your character as like, Oh yeah, Clive, he's the best swordsman in the game and he always very, knows when to dodge. He always knows when to dodge. He's so he, he can see the future. He's got Clive sense, you know? Uh so I I think that's a I I honestly think if I were to play through I might I might equip that as well cuz like I'm and again, we'll get to this in a little bit. I'm bad at dodging, <laughs> I'm bad at parrying. I'm very good at holding the block button and then hitting another button to do a thing that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Um, so, you know, if I were to play a game after what I'm playing now, it might be nice to play something where I am really good at dodging, (laughs) you know? Uh, yeah.
1: I remembered what one of the, the, I think this is the last one we didn't talk about um there's an auto heal ring as well so there it's if your hp drops below a certain threshold it will use a potion for you as long as you have one in your inventory oh so that's another Yeah, that's another yeah so however and like we've all said over and over so I won't get into it too too much more um it does take up a slot yada yada whatever but it really allows you to customize the experience to be what you're comfortable with and i think that will allow people to have more fun with the game um, which ultimately is what's important so um yeah and and if you if you didn't hear one and you wonder if there's a ring for that i'm sure if you google find the final fantasy 16 rings you can find a list what they do um, to figure out how you could customize it to you but i'm pretty confident that um, if you're interested in the game there is a way with the equipment to make the combat comfortable for you
0: cool very cool um well anything else to to touch on for final fantasy 16 before we move to our uh other much beloved giant open world experience
1: no i i think that's um that's just about it i mean we didn't dive into the story too much which i think is good um because we want to avoid spoilers and all that i'll just say I guess the only other things is uh, I'll mention there, there are a lot of cutscenes. There's a lot of dialogue, but it's, it's um, it's interwoven very well. It's a little bit slow in the beginning because there's so much um, background that they're, that they're giving you. Um, But the game of Thrones comparison comes back again. It's, it's very similar to the early stages of those books or shows where you're kind of learning a lot in the beginning. Um, But it's all good material that'll keep you going through the game. And uh, I, I think I I'm enjoying the story so far I'm enjoying um it, it goes places I we've talked about the uh the kaiju and I just the thought that I had earlier today thinking about it was just that like how do I describe the game it's like on the epic scale it's an 11 out of 10 like the 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 crazy stuff is there but then the human aspects are there too so if you like spectacle if you like pacific rim um you like Godzilla, you'll get, there's something for you to love here with that too. So, um, the story is good. The, the mechanics are good. And, uh, really, I, if you haven't played the demo, give it a shot. You'll, like Ryan said, you'll learn a lot about whether this is for you or not. Um, but I think the, the demo is a vi- very finely crafted piece of gaming and storytelling. So it's worth it in my opinion, for that experience, just to, to see what they have put together. So, um, yeah, I would say, check it out. I hope, hope everyone enjoys it.
0: I just thought of something that we didn't talk about or maybe we touched on it briefly, but like the best feature for final fantasy 16 that is in the demo and helped me on multiple occasions is the who the hell is talking and where am I? Button.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, lore
0: button. It's so good. It's, it's so, it's such a, it is like surprising. Uh, and I mean, if it has been implemented before in other games, it, it's just so surprising. that This is the first time I feel like we've seen it in a game um, where you hit the touchpad, you hold the touchpad button and it it pauses the game.
1: And this is this is during a cut scene. Yeah. To clarify, you
0: can do this in the middle of a cutscene.
1: So if they talk about, you know, Archduke Ferdinand, you are know, like, who is that? You just hit the touchpad and it'll tell you who it was. Um, mm. so, so it Demand. really helps with comprehension. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah,
1: no, it's, it's a band <laughs> that started in world war one. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that lore's a bit off, but, um, <laughs> it's so like you, you hold the touchpad button and sometimes it will, uh, it'll say, Hey, you can't do this right now. But I found most of the time. Um, so there's this cutscene at the end of the demo and I'm like, is that who I think it is? And then you hold the button down and it's like, yes, it is because it's, it's contextual to who's on screen, where they are, what's happening, and it'll also tell you with a little like uh, like it looks like a notification sort of badge if you've read that lore uh, bit before. Um, and it and it's it's kind of reminds me a lot of like what uh, if you watch a lot of Amazon Prime Video, they have this X-ray feature that if you pause the game or the the show or movie. It'll display like IMDb and trivia and stuff, and kind of like, oh, that's who that actor is, and it's it is as best it can contextual to what's on screen. So it's like that in the game where they surf it, and it's not like it's like it's not like thinking like, oh, it opens up the codex of hundreds of entries. No, it it shows it's very digestible. This is the other thing, like the restraint they had and only showing five or six bubbles of lore that you can look at. Like, if you don't know what's going on or you want to, like, get some more context, you can hit that button, interrupt the cutscene for a couple minutes, read these little bubbles of information, and then, like, okay, I feel like I know what's going on. Like, I know who that is now, and I know why I should be shocked that uh, she's here right now and saying these things, you know? So that, to me, is also, like, another feature that I want to see used in other games I I would love to see more of that Uh, I think that that's to me one of the best additions uh to this game because like the story isn't like incredibly out there it's it is um it's by no means like a very it's not a very simple tale but like there's a lot going on there's a lot of uh background a lot of lore to these like these different characters and where they come from. Uh, but it, it is really helpful to be able to hit a button and know exactly who these folks are and, and why they're yelling at each other, you know? So yeah. it,
1: it is, um, it's, it's a lot like, um, it's a lot like having the map at the beginning of the game of Thrones books, um, just to be able to flip back and be like, okay, who, where is this person from? Oh, it's over here. Um, and it's, it's like that, but interactive and changes depending on what chapter you're, you're reading. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of how it works. The, the Amazon X-Ray comparison is is very apt. Um, and I think really Ryan covered all of that really well, so I don't have much to add. The only additional point that I'll, I'll make is that if you're interested in more of the, the broader world and what's going on, not just with the three characters in your cutscene, but like the relationships between clive's family and the the people the two guys he was running around with in the beginning of the game and how do they how are they related to this other kingdom or how are the who which kingdoms are fighting who and all those other things as you get further into the game once you establish a base there is a point where a certain npc becomes available who basically becomes the compendium for those kind of things so it takes the Picks the feature that Ryan just mentioned and expands on it to where you can go and talk to this character and you can pull up sort of detailed, like, um, not family tree, but like a spider web type map of like, this is how this character relates to whom, oh. um, and, and draws all of those. So the, they do take it. I mean, it's, it's different in that it's not contextualized to what's going on specifically. Um, but, if you're ever wondering or you're feeling like, oh, gee, that one, the information I got for that one specific cutscene was great, but it's not enough for me to digest this entire story, there is a bigger, more detailed version that you can access that kind of recaps some more of the rest of the world for you as well.
0: Interesting. Okay. So yeah, that that character isn't in the demo, so...
1: Um... No, that that's a ways into the game, um, but it's... It, I, I feel it was related enough to what we were talking about that it was worth mentioning yeah. that it does go that extra step.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, that sounds like a really uh, needed feature, because as you start to in- interact with more and more characters, plus the dueling timelines, like it, it can probably be a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a spider's web to, to keep in order. So
1: it. It can, and for whatever it's worth, um, the timeline thing isn't as jumpy as it seems like it might be in the demo. Um, you're You're more consistently in one timeline or another uh, for extended periods of time. so it's following the timelines is not as big a challenge as the demo might make it feel, uh, for whatever that's worth.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, that is uh, going to be our chat for Final Fantasy 16 for now. As uh, as I mentioned, Jocelyn is looking to play that game uh, after Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, who knows, maybe she has opted for this instead of Tears of the Kingdom. Uh so we'll see. We'll we'll see in the in the coming weeks. But uh, I also wanted to touch on a game uh, that Travis and I have both talked about before on the show and I, I think this is, this is mostly thanks to the fact that, so I put a poll up full disclosure. I said like, Hey, lots of games coming out. I've already skipped a couple of big ones. Jedi survivor Diablo's uh, I almost said Diablo six again, Diablo four. And, um, I did a, I did a patron poll. So I went on Patreon and I said, okay, let's, let's do a June backlog patrons choice. Let's have the patrons decide which game Ryan's going to go back and play. And of course I included Elden Ring on there and I kind of, you know, I knew in the back of my mind like Elden Ring's likely going to win this poll. Uh, and uh, you know, there was some other great games on there that I will definitely want to get back to but I figured Elden Ring was 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 going to win. And it did. It, it, it got a majority of the votes and uh, I, uh, yeah, I played Elden Ring. I went back to Elden Ring. I've been playing for about a week now. Uh, I think I've put like another 10 to 15 hours after my uh first chunk of playthrough and i and i do have to give credit both to um to travis and lc who are in a uh discord group with me called ryan plays elden ring and i just whenever i have a question or a comment or a thought i will like throw it into that that group um i do find elden ring to be a very daunting and uh i don't want to say com it's definitely complex but like there's uh the thing that clashes with the way I play games specifically is there's a lot of stuff, not necessarily unsaid. There's definitely unsaid stuff you uh, you know that leads you to be like, you know, to discover. You have to discover it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's like sort of hinted at. Like, um, it's not like Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom where I know there was those comparisons made. But Tears of the Kingdom, I like that sense of discovery because it's like it's not really discovery. It's like Oh, I can see right over there that I have to go do that thing. I can see, I can see I got to go talk to that character or I can see I got to go interact with that monster. Elden Ring's a little more nuanced. It's a little more like you you need to, you need to go in like, I don't know, that direction or go northwest of this location <laughs> that you haven't been to yet, <laughs> you know, and uh but but that being said, like it just feels like there's a lot more discovery there, and and it's a it's a bit of a slower pace, and rightfully so because like there's a lot of monsters that uh, if you rush in are going to uh, are going to take you out pretty quick. Um, so I'm to give people context at home. I'm about uh, so I just finished I finished the academy. Uh, I feel like and correct me, Travis, if my milestones don't don't really fit with with uh, folks who have finished the complete game, like, you know, the, I think the Academy is like a pretty, like most, that's like a, that's like a required thing to, to finish. Right. So like, that's a pretty key milestone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, I would say it's the second large milestone in the game um, with the first being um, getting through market and, and the uh, storm veil. Vale. Castle, storm something. Ca- I forget what the name, exact name of the first castle is, um, but that's kind of like your first big goal is get to Margot, who is at the entrance to said castle that I am blanking on the name of um, after which you're that's when you can kind of leave the tutorial zone and, uh, and, and that's really undermining it. Like it's, it's a massive, like probably 10 to 15 hours of gameplay in the tutorial zone. Um, is what's available. So I, I don't mean to belittle it to call it a tutorial, but that initial area is quite large. Um, and then after you get through there, getting into uh, into Lernia and the Academy is kind of like your next big major plot goal. Uh, I I guess that's how I would classify it. The game really opens up at that point. So it's difficult to you know really specify order or anything like that. Um, but that's it's the zone I did next, I guess, mm-hmm. is an easy way to say
0: it. Yeah. And, and you and Elsie and have been really great guides. And uh, I also have to hand it to, uh, I'm playing it on PlayStation 5, and I have to hand it to uh, the ability to screen share and basically say, like, and, you know, Travis has a PS5, obviously, because we've been talking about Final Fantasy 16, but you don't have Elden Ring on the PS5. You, you play it on PC. Is No, 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 you do have it on the no. PS5.
1: Yep, I have it on PS Five. I think oh, it's um, LC
0: that doesn't have it on PS Five. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I think that's right.
0: What I'm trying to say is like they don't need Elden Ring <laughs> to watch me try to play Elden Ring. They can they can sort of watch me play through this screen share, and it's the lag is um, or the latency is you is 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 close enough that like when I do something, you guys see it pretty much right away. So you can have been guiding me uh through some some uh processes like i think uh i think saturday night i was in the academy and uh lc was watching me play and i was like trying to get through these bosses so and and this is another reminder like it it, it's very helpful for me like in elden ring like you know don't be afraid to run past enemies uh that's a feature not a bug like you want to do that Um, there are specific strategic moments where you are going to run straight for the boss because, uh, enemies won't chase you through elevators and and certain hallways and stuff. So there was like, there was like the wolf boss in that area. And then I fought like this knight and it was really giving me a hard time. And I finally got to the final boss in that academy zone. And (laughs) I didn't realize it was a two phase fight. Uh, the first phase, uh, being this like sort of, uh, puzzle it sort of thing where you had to like sort out how to get the boss to, to fall. It felt very much like a, like an MMO encounter, but it was a solo MMO encounter. Really? Like you got to do very specific things and avoid very specific other stuff. So you don't die. And the whole goal is to get through that phase as quickly as possible so that you have your health potions because of course there's a second phase, um, and uh, that first phase, I eventually got it down to where I could I could get it in two sort of uh, two sort of like interactions so with two the
1: cycles, yeah,
0: yeah, two cycles. Thank you. And then I and then I got that down, and I was able to get into the the final boss. And and uh, but then I was like, oh my god, there's a second phase. I have to go to bed. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't keep going. So that's another thing that's been really good with Elden Ring is like knowing when to stop is basically like. Uh, Like, I think earlier today I was playing, I got through a whole tomb, which is something I didn't really explore, like, sort of, like, finding the caves and stuff um, until Crofton had kind of mentioned to me, like, oh, yeah, and, you know, Elden Ring kind of did the depths before Tears of the Kingdom did, and I had no idea what he was talking about, but then I realized, like, oh, there are a lot of these, like... <laughs> things you can find that lead you to these these they're not even sometimes they're not even caves they're just like doors and cliffs and it leads to a giant elevator and you're exploring you know the depths it's not it's not exactly like what they do at Tears of the Kingdom where there's this whole other map down there but there are these like mini dungeons that you encounter uh, in Elden Ring where you're you are I guess technically going into what you could describe as the depths so I didn't do a lot of that before. So I've been doing some of that too. And, uh, I think that's where it like kind of introduces more of the, the puzzle aspects. Um, I'm like further into like the, the, the after the Academy going towards the capital, And there was these two tombs that I came across that felt very much like, man, these are like, these are like dungeons that use like shrine type, like tears, of the kingdom shrine type, uh, puzzles like one of them was we're going to take those chests that teleport you and make a whole dungeon based on those and it's like a puzzle uh based around you you know opening these chests it teleports you to another area and then you have to figure out where to go next open a chest rinse repeat that sort of thing and then there's a whole like i don't want to spoil it but there's like a whole puzzle within that puzzle of like you have to realize you're like trapped in this like mirror maze or whatever um And there was another one very close by where you're just avoiding these death traps, these giant like machines of death that are moving up and down. You have to like kind of traverse through their paths and stuff. So like it, it isn't just all and this was surprising to me. Like, you know, this is an open world from software game, like an open world Dark Souls in terms of combat, but they've like filled in a lot of that open worldness with very unique sort of stuff. This is very much the Breath of the Wildification of Dark Souls for sure. But what they've filled in the in there is kind of like this world of discovery, and very much you have to explore and discover and kind of learn for yourself because, like, there is so much. This is a huge game; it's daunting. So, um, I know that you and Lc have said, like, no, no that's why we're here. If you ever feel overwhelmed, just like, you know, Pocus. <laughs> You know, because there was specific moments where I finished. I think I finished. uh, uh, There was a manor or something, and I finished. I I quote unquote thought I finished it. You know, oh, I beat the boss. I can finally leave this place. And then you're like, no, no, there's like a whole. You turned
1: around and walked out. Yeah, no, I I just teleported.
0: I was like, I'm done. bye (laughs) and You're like,
1: yeah, you did not. uh, So you didn't go through the door, huh? That was that was kind of our (laughs) reaction.
0: I, which is odd because like, I feel like I fought the boss and I I turned left, which obviously the door or whatever was to the right, but I turned left and I'm like, Oh, this is just a dead end. I guess I'm done. Yep. <laughs> it does.
1: Um, and we were laughing about that too, because um, as we mentioned before, I've played Elden Ring a couple of times and I, I streamed it last summer. And while I was streaming it, this is my second playthrough. I got to this point, I beat the boss and having already played the game before I knew that there was an entire other zone, um, and there's uh, I think there's a site of grace like right in that room or right outside the room. I, I forget exactly where it yeah. is. Um, so I beat the boss, I hit the the grace, and then I'm looking around and I'm like I, I know there's another like I know I need to go through a door and get to this other area. And for the life of me, I just keep looking at the door I came in through instead of the next one. So I think <laughs> I think that particular room is a little bit deceptive or something in its design, but. I was also about ready for bed when, when I was playing it, maybe that was playing a part, but, um, yeah, the second time through, even though I knew there was somewhere else in the room I needed to go to get where I was trying to go, uh, I still couldn't find it for the, for the first minute or two and had to like, practically do the fireman's technique, like pick a wall and walk around the room until I found the right door. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, um. It it was a funny, a funny experience. And you've commented on so many great things. I've just been sort of biting my tongue and not being sure where to where to jump in or what to comment on and how to not spoil it. But I I do just I'm I'm really kind of chuckling at your your commentary on the depths and whether it is or is not like um, like, like Tears of the kingdom and sort of these dungeons that you're referring to. And the only thing that I'll say is y- you don't quite know the depths yet um, Oh, okay. For, for Elden Ring. And I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but as you, as you keep going, um, just remember that you said this and remember how you're feeling now. Cause I think you'll, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think you'll, I think you'll have, um, I think you'll have fun with that down the road. Uh, And that's about as much of that as I, as I want to get into, but you're, you're right. Um, The game and I had the similar reaction in that as you're playing um, you get to the end of an area and you're like, Oh, this is cool. I just got to the end of the continent. And then you're like, no, no, I didn't. There's another zone further past this one. The map was just zoomed in before, so I couldn't see it. (laughs) And that sort of just keeps happening. Like the world, they do a great job of disguising how big the world really is. Um, and it can be daunting, um, but it does give you that constant sense of discovery and, Oh my gosh, how much, how much bigger is this? How much deeper does it go? Um, and and it's, it's a really wonderful game in that, in that regard. Um, if that's the type of game that you like to play, um, it definitely offers a lot. It offers a lot of things that aren't necessary for every player. Um, so sometimes the rewards can be a little disappointing, um, because the game is so di- diverse in how you can play it. Um, but it really does offer, you can customize your experience, however, to whatever you're looking for, you can explore as much or as little as you'd like. Um, but there's, there's always another cave. There's always another catacomb. There's always somewhere that you haven't been before. So if you're someone that, that just lives on the exploration, um, you will have no shortage of it in, uh, in Elden Ring, but I'm glad to hear that you're having a good time with it. Um, it's a game that I highly recommended. Um, and I, I absolutely get where you're coming from, um, from the sense of like, I feel like I'm playing this wrong or I don't know. I don't, this is from Soft's seventh game or whatever it is, as far as like the, the Soulsy type games. And I just, I don't know the systems. And since I don't know the systems yet, I feel like I'm playing it wrong. Um, so I, I'm happy that, um, that you're able to have someone like Elsie who can support you through it and, and help you to enjoy what a lot of the souls community has come to love about these games. Um, but let me just assure you, there is not a wrong way. I mean, there, there are certain things that you can do that aren't great, but, um, what you're doing (laughs) is not, you know, it's not wrong. Um, just keep at it, play the way that you want to play. And, um, Elden ring is very, uh, malleable like that. In that, pretty much, like as long as you pick a, a pick a path and try to play a certain way, um, you'll probably be able to be successful. Uh, where you get into trouble is where you try to do too many different things and you're just not good at anything. Um, then it can be difficult because your your character, um, you know, is is kind of gimped uh, from the stance of just not being able to handle enemies because it's not really it hasn't really built up a strength in any particular area. Um, That's where you can run into a little bit of trouble, but you haven't gone down that road yet, um, fortunately. So just, um, just keep at it and keep asking Elsie and I questions if you have them. And we're happy to keep trying to point you along as, uh, as much as you want us to, while also trying to not spoil everything for you.
0: No, you guys have been really good. Like, and here's the thing I, and I had, I had, approach this in our group chat and, and i think I'll, I'll mention on the show here and that like if there i know there are a lot of folks in the discord who have um played elden ring have loved it as much as yourself and lc and i thought about opening up like a, a game discussion uh forum post for specifically ryan plays elden ring just to kind of like have those chats because a i think that the tgi discord is very good and very mindful of spoilers like I we very rarely have an issue with spoilers and I and I think that mostly comes with the fact that discord has like the built in spoiler marking and it's just so easy and some folks might laugh and like ah, oh, do we really need to spoiler mark that and I'm like you know what like it's so easy to do sometimes it's fun to click through and see what was said even if it is like you know spoiling you know uh hey you get the you get that cool sword or not even a cool sword you, you hey guess what you get a shield uh after this you know and it's not i'm i'm terrible examples but i i think that i might look at expanding this into you know the game uh the TGI discord and and allowing other folks so if there are folks in our discord who are also big fans of Elden Ring and want to jump in on the Ryan plays uh Elden Ring sort of uh uh discussions let me know ping me in the discord and we will look to do that but uh no pressure no pressure uh elsie and travis are doing a great job i really appreciate it but i just thought like i know there's other folks in the discord that might be interested as well but um w- a couple of things that can that jumped out of me that um i felt earlier when i was playing earlier this year was um uh, the armor so like I haven't replaced any of my armor since since we started, and I know that uh, you and Elsie said, like, armor doesn't really, you know, matter. It's all about, you know, your, your preferred style, like, whether you want to be, you know, do you want to be able to... Like, for me, I'm playing medium load so that I'm able to take a hit, but also dodge without feeling like I'm a, a rolling tank, you know? And um, as someone who loves to have a character that is uh always uh getting a a cooler and cooler look um i have it kind of it bothers me a bit i've played for like 25 hours and i've not changed my armor uh and i've I've had to like kind of like push that thought out of my head of like i am not going to take a stats hit just so i can look a little bit cooler you know (laughs) (laughs) so it's that's been a learning curve for me and um Similar thing on the weapon and shield front. I have not changed it since I found uh, the stuff I have from early game. I have obviously upgraded it to kind of give it a a, a better edge uh, against enemies. But uh, you know, I I also have had to wrap my head around like I haven't found a a new sword at all while playing. Still doing fine against enemies and bosses, the bosses that I'm supposed to be encountering, not the the bosses they drop. And I'm like, hey, you don't have to fight this thing, but like, look at this cool entrance of this giant stone gargoyle thing (laughs) Um, or these two uh, enemies on horseback. They're giant knights on horseback. You don't have to fight them, but man, do they not look cool when you run past them?
1: (laughs) come back for these guys later. Maybe. The, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Uh anytime they drop two bosses I'm like nope. I'm noping out yeah. of here. I don't care how many ruins I lose. Let's uh let's not come back here again. Um but yeah, it's just there's been these moments of like challenging the 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 standard RPG approach of like I need to be replacing my equipment, you know, the loot aspect but the loot in this game is more about you know um finding specific uh uh, equipment that that like upgrades specific abilities and as you said it's such a varied game there's so much you can do in terms of like how you build your character oftentimes when you go into a dungeon and find something it's like oh this would be great if i was doing a build for xyz but i'm just doing a, a standard sword and shield like I'm playing in my opinion, probably the, the boring way of like just having a, a sword and shield so that I can block. And uh, although I, Oh, I did get a new shield. I should have mentioned it. I got the jellyfish shield. So I did get a new shield.
1: How are you using it? I remember you, you had commented, um, it put you over your weight threshold. Um, so you weren't sure if you were going to use it at the time.
0: Yeah, I am using it cause I was able to, I had a talisman that, um, that increased my, uh, my 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 i don't know if it's my load or like my ability to carry more right
1: the um this is the like the one of the turtle one i've i know what you're talking about i can't remember what it's called um
0: yeah so i'm able to i was able to use it and i have used uh the ability on it to kind of like increase like it uses a bit of magic points to um to give you like sort of an attack boost so it's been it's been good, and you know that was like that the first moment in like twenty five hours of playing where I'm like, wow, I've I found something new that I can equip, and like <laughs> to me that's not that's that's not a feature that that is like kind of like a a mark in the in 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 the negative column, but but at the end of the day, like it's just it's a different game. It's it's not that kind of game. This very much is. Like, I feel like this is the kind of game where you could be like, this is the build I want to go. Tell me where the items I need are, you know, like go to a guide and look that like I I have not done that. I don't want to do that. Um, but I feel like that's something you could do if you're like, I really want to make this build work. Where are the items I need? And then you mark them on a virtual map and you, you go get them as you progress. Right.
1: So that's that's kind of what I did. Um I didn't want to dive too deep into like a walkthrough of like, you know, here's where you want to go and then you can go through this dungeon. And then like, first thing you do is go down the steps and then you take a left. And like, I didn't get any of that. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to play Elden Ring when it came out. So I, you know, just did of course the, what everyone does now gets on YouTube and types in like Elden Ring video and found things to, to watch, to see if, um, if the game was going to be something I was interested in or not. And one of the first things I came across was, um, the, the Fextra life page. Um, and they do for Elden ring, they've done probably at least a hundred different build videos now. And they're all, you know, 10 ish minutes long or whatever. And kind of, it's like, you know, they'll do one. They're like, okay, here's what you should shoot for. If you want to play a paladin type character, here's what you should shoot for up to level 50. And then they do another video that's like, well, if you like the Paladin video and you want to play to level 100, here's how you can do a better version of that. Um, and they've done that with many, many different types of play styles. Um, so my first playthrough, um, I did the I did the, the Samurai as a starting class. So I watched their Samurai video and I was kind of like, okay, so here's some decent equipment that I can use for this play style. And then went and tried to find those pieces. The first time I played... I did a pretty completionist run and that's not to say like I did everything, but like I made sure I, every cave that I found, I would explore it. Um, every catacomb, not, I mean, I got really tired of the catacombs after a while. So I sort of stopped with them unless I knew there was something I needed. Um, but that's a very valid way to play. It is especially if you're an experienced from player where you kind of know how the stats work and how, um, you know, how weapon scaling and things like that work. Um, so if you sort of have an idea of like, this is how I want to play um, it, th- that's a very valid approach uh, where it gets tricky with a game like Elden Ring is that it's so open. So you have to balance spoiling things for yourself against sort of optimizing your time and prioritizing doing quests and doing zones that will provide rewards that are good for you uh, which also minimizes disappointment of being a samurai and then walking through this crazy dungeon and then finding a, a weapon that gives you faith plus ten and that's complete. And you look at your faith and I'm like, well, I have an eight, so that's and my strength is forty-five, so that that extra faith is not going to help this character. Yay! I'm glad I spent forty-five minutes doing this crazy dungeon. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, you can avoid those sort of pitfalls, but at the same time, it is fun still exploring. So it's very much a game that you can play however you would like it. Um, and I know you and I and Elsie have talked a little bit about builds and I'm not sure what all you guys went through on Saturday night. We can, we can touch base on some more of that later. Um, but as you get further in the game, maybe you will, maybe you won't (laughs) develop an idea of, of what you want to do with this character. Um, and that can sort of inform what equipment would be good, uh and then it, he and I might be able to help point you in in the direction of things that would be useful or or not depending on <laughs> depending on how much you want us to spoil or not spoil. Yeah.
0: For you, so yeah i uh I try to whip the other the other night <laughs> in the game, and they're not uh, yeah they're
1: fun, but they're not.
0: <laughs> uh, it was weird. I uh, And and here's the thing. Like I, I tried the whip like against a boss or not a boss, but like a, a more difficult enemy. And it's like, well, this probably isn't a, a great representation of like this weapon working. I, I, even with my trusted sword and jellyfish, I still wouldn't have been able to fight this, this, this uh, monster. Um, but yeah, like I haven't really been doing a lot of like experimenting. I've mostly just been, enjoying uh the exploration and again because it's such a large game um I kind of know I kind of knew where I needed to go but I was happy to kind of like explore uh and kind of look around the area and I really feel like this this is one of those games uh where I've kind of been interested in like maybe I should like go to the app store and find like an Elden Ring app I know like folks make like unofficial apps that you can like look at the map. I know I had one for Assassin's Creed Odyssey and there's a really good one for tears of the kingdom, uh, that, that I haven't, uh, that I've heard good things about. So I, I'm, I'm tempted to like get a, a map and like take all the icons off of it and just kind of like, even, you know, the sites of grace, like just to find those sites of grace to be like, yep. you know, I can find this and then I can stop. Yeah. <laughs> I know will, I can save. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that as well as like, just, just finding, you know, those portions of the map that have something to do. Right. Cause there's, there is a lot of stuff that's just like open terrain that you're, you're just traversing through. Yeah. Right. But like, I don't want to remove the discovery completely. Cause I have really been in, enjoying that por- portion of it. Um, and as the games progressed, I'm finding more areas that like, oh, this is a ruin. I know that there's going to be like some stairs. I have to find the stairs in, in this one specific ruin, like the stairs were hidden. And of course, Elden Ring has like the from software messages where like <laughs> you see a bunch of messages like perfectly outlining where the stairs would be. It's like, oh, I bet you there's stairs there. If I just go use my sword, they'll they'll appear. So like there is that sense of discovery, but there's also that sense of like, the community kind of shows in the game and I really love that I-, I love uh for the most part the hint system like I've been able to find like ladders I wouldn't have seen uh, except for that one specific example where I warped out of a dungeon without realizing there's a door I mean maybe I should go back and, and put a message down I'm like hey before you warp there's there's a door over here uh I think try I will go do that. Yeah. <laughs> I will go do that. My first message that'll post is just like, I missed this, but for you folks that are paying attention, there's a door over here. Uh but yeah, it's just there's there's something about it that um I'm I'm just really enjoying it. Uh and, and the combat, you know, a lot of folks say like, oh, from software games the combat's really difficult. I'm not gonna s- sit here and say the combat is, is easy because it's not. Um is it very difficult? Yes. Especially when you come across uh, a mob or a boss that you are not supposed to be fighting. But I'll say this, like, the trajectory of the stuff you're supposed to do to progress the story um, hasn't been the wall I kind of expected it to be. There have been moments of struggle, for sure, but, like... I don't think I ever hit a wall where I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to beat this. You know, I think there was that first, that first boss at the very beginning of the game where you're like, man, did I just waste 80 bucks? Um, That boss was probably the most difficult, but that's like you learning the systems and, and having to, to really push yourself to, to, to be able to get through that first boss encounter. But since then it's like usually five or six attempts maximum Um, if I am struggling with a boss, uh, but I, there, there are definitely moments where I'm like, I'm fighting something that I'm, I'm not ready for and I'll just walk away. And those have usually been optional encounters.
1: It's also very forgiving in the sense that there's usually a site of grace or a stake of America somewhere near the boss. Um, so you're not. You know, you don't have like a four-minute run back whenever you die, um, as some of the prior Souls games have had. Uh, I know, I, I just, I, I won't uh, go too far with this, but I talked to LC today. He was just starting up um, Demon Souls. And the thing with Demon Souls is pretty much every level only has one bonfire. So if you die to the boss, you have to run back through most of the level to get back and try again. Um, Elden Ring is not like that. Like, there are many, many points, points that you can respond from. And if there's not a sight of grace nearby, there's probably a stake. Um so you're you know usually looking at like a 30 second run back instead of a couple of minutes. Um, so I, I I feel like they've they've done a great job improving quality of life in that regard as well. And um uh, just since you mentioned it earlier, we can touch base offline, but um if you're looking for a map, I know of a customizable map that has you can add or remove pins for Pretty much anything in the game, like the there there's a map marker for sets of grace, there's one for map pieces, there's one for all the dungeons, all the um upgrade materials, so you can sort of customize it for how much you do or don't want it to show you um so if you are looking for a map that you wanna try to avoid spoilers but have a little bit of guidance as far as where it's good to spend some time um we can touch base later and i'll I'll give you a good map that you
0: can do that with cool, cool, well, we'll definitely we'll definitely do that. And uh, yeah, as I said, if there's folks in the discord that want to join me on this journey, we can definitely uh, pop a, a post into the game discussions forum, but uh, I do have to mention definitely Elsie and Travis. Thank you so much for helping me on this journey. I know I've only been back at it for a week, uh, but I've been really enjoying it. And um, I just like, you know, I'm, I have even gotten to the point where I'm like describing things I think describing enemies, I'm like, oh man, I just came across this thing. I think one was like, it's like Newt aliens and they're like, what are you talking about? And then yes, so I that, sent screenshots and yeah. I thought that was a
1: um Ryan, Ryan describes Elden Ring enemies is going to have to be like a new podcast segment where you... <laughs> You, uh, I, I don't know if it's LC and I participating or who it is, but you you come up with a description and everyone else has to try to figure out what it is that you're what you're talking about. Um, and the reality is too often there are you seem to accidentally strike a great balance between describing something well, but also in such <laughs> a way that could describe three or four other things in Elder sure. Ring. So. <laughs> So, so when you had commented on the newt, I was like, oh, it's one of these. And uh, that was not it at all. And then you mentioned you're like, they use like a tree like weapon. And I was like, oh, he's talking about this thing over here with the tree spear. Nope, it wasn't that either. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we could have a lot of fun with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's been going it's been going very well. And I thought, you know what, this might be fun to open it up. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm definitely going to play more. I've been playing quite a bit of it. and. Um, I'm excited to I'm excited to see where it goes like this is the thing there are still there are still moments that I know I'm going to experience for the first time and be like oh my god this is this is crazy you know like those discoveries like for example when we were doing the boss fight that had two phases I had no idea it had two phases and I was like struggling through the first and then I'm like what is this cutscene oh wow we're going for a second phase
1: <laughs> round and two I,
0: and I think like that's everyone's been really good especially the Elden ring community as a whole has been really good at like keeping those those secrets secret but not like keeping that knowledge to themselves like i think that's the thing i've noticed is like if you if you want to know what a thing does google it first result will tell you what that thing does like if you want to know what that thing does you can figure it out it's on the internet but it's not something that is like this game is over a year old and i am still being sort of surprised by by stuff right you know people have been the community's been very uh very good about that but like i said the knowledge is out there like if you want to know a specific quest line or you know there's some weirdness in terms of like the way some of the npcs will interact with you like uh i'm not a big fan of like having to keep initiating conversations with characters for them to like say their whole dialogue and like sometimes even progress i say quest like, you know, a lot of the guides talk about quest lines, but there's no quest log. So in my mind, it's like it's an invisible system happening in the background, right? That's a little annoying. I know that's a criticism that's been said before, like there should be a quest log. I I personally believe there should be a quest log. I don't know what it would look like because it feels like there's a lot of like systems at play. And because they remove the quest log, they're able to have like a lot more. Well if this happens then this happens if you finish this after that like a different thing happens like
1: yeah. I th- I think the best way to implement it if they were going to would be to just have the character's name have like the NPC's name uh, in a menu somewhere right. and then whenever you um you know hover over it or whatever it tells you the last place that you saw them and recaps what they said or yes. something like that. That way it's still broad, but it's there so that you don't forget that these characters exist. Yes. <laughs> um, 100%. I think that's probably about as close as they would. I, I don't think they'll ever do it, but no. if they were going to do it, that's about as far as I think they would take it.
0: <laughs> and I've, I've actually kind of started to do it myself, where if like a character <laughs> says something, I'll take a screenshot. And uh, I'll delete that screenshot once whatever that character said I've completed. Um, but I still haven't really been good at that. Like there was a moment where I, I finally progressed a specific portion of a quest line. And then there was one piece of dialogue that was like, this is where I'm going next. And then that person disappears. And it's like, oh, if I wasn't paying attention in that exact moment, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where she went. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, got, I, had, I had to look I had to look it up uh you know which was fine cuz like nothing was really spoiled cuz i had already <laughs> gotten to that point i just i had to look it up I was like what did she say and i think maybe the spoiler was like this is where they're going but you're not going to be able to access it until xyz or something she's
1: definitely not in the tower behind the room that you warped out of before before going through the door that's definitely not where you'll find no that's a that's a different character yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on with this game but I am enjoying it. I will. uh, I. I, I'm not going to, you know, provide an update every week or commit to providing an update every two weeks. Uh, We'll. We'll. We'll definitely. uh, I'll definitely keep playing. And uh, when I have more to say, I'll definitely bring it onto the show. Uh, But before we get to the news, I wanted to thank our lovely patrons and uh, to give a specific shout out to our June patron, Spin. Thank you so much for being a patron of the Gamers Inn. You can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in to get access to our patron only polls, early access to the TGI Patreon mini where maybe Ryan is playing Trails. <laughs> maybe uh this this past week I did not play Trails cuz I was busy getting back into Elden Ring. Uh but the Elden Ring was part of a a patron poll, so I think I think uh folks are very forgiving uh on that. Uh world did not make a joke that I that I only played 5 minutes of of Trails. I will get back to it, though. I really do want to play more Trails. Um, uh, Speaking of our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord, we're going to be having TGI Game Club return uh, this summer. And I know we've talked about Psychonauts 2 being the game, and that is still the case. But we've actually set some dates now. So if you're wondering why these seem a little farther out, July is around the corner, folks. It'll be July before we know it. Uh, But the first milestone will be shared on july 23rd so on july 23rd you'll know how much you need to play for our first discussion which will be happening on july 30th this all takes place in the discord using the new forum setup uh so we'll create a post for uh now i'm trying to remember oh yeah yeah a post for each milestone it it has been a while uh it's been a couple months. A lot's happened since then. But uh TGI Game Club returning in just a few weeks. I know that's right. The end of July is not that far away <laughs> because the beginning of July is just around the corner. So look forward to that and um yeah, let's get into the news. Kicking things off with the uh the last showcase uh during E3, Ghost of E3, I guess we can say. Um was the Nintendo Direct uh, that took place? Uh, I think last week. Again, time. Yeah, it's a mystery. It is a mystery for sure. Um, so we've got this N- Nintendo Direct, and and again, like you know, a lot of people wondering what does Nintendo have on their slate for post Pikmin Four, which is coming out in July. Speaking of 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 July, and uh, we got that. We got. Confirmation for many games uh, arriving in the later half of this year. Now, I know a game specifically that is very close to my heart that got announced here, but but Travis, I want to know like you you have a Nintendo Switch, right? Like, is there anything in this Nintendo Direct that jumped out to you?
1: I do have a Switch. Um, I have not been spending as much time with it recently, just um, having been wrapped up in some bigger games most most recently final fantasy 16 um but having having done a lot more of uh the ps5 and my my family has taken over the switch though i (laughs) i find it very difficult to get anywhere near it most of the time when i have availability which has been kind of a fun change but uh yes i have a feeling um we might be interested in the the same games um and i think you may have spoken with crofton about them recently but um, probably the biggest announcement for me um, was the Super Mario RPG remake, um, because I have an interesting history with that game as well. Um, I looked back I look back on it very fondly, spent a lot of time trying to hunt down a copy when I was uh, when I was in towards the end of elementary school, probably, I guess, um, having difficulty and trying to rent it and having difficulty and then trying to emulate it and having difficulty. but uh yes, it was a, a game that I played a bit of as a kid, w- always wanted to play more, and finally got to finish it um when the SNES Classic uh was released. And uh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with um with a remake of that because um it, it's uh at this point a bit dated, I'm sure. Um but it it truly was a classic game, and of course it's one of those old 90s um square RPGs. So, just making that available to a broader audience is something that I'm excited about. Um, but hopefully, I didn't steal your thunder too much with that. What, uh, uh,
0: yeah. what, uh, what did you have in mind? Well, I mean, you know, Super Mario RPG is uh, is a game very close to my heart. I remember, like, I have a very vivid when I think of video games, there are specific moments that that uh, that pop into my head. It's like playing the Resident Evil remake for the first time and and experiencing the dog jumping through the window. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big part of like, when I remember video games as a kid, uh, and not even just as a kid, but you know, as a, as a teenager as well, but like Super Mario RPG is that one that really, it's like, it was a late SNES game. I remember it being very expensive, mm-hmm. uh, saving up like my allowance. I had like a jar filled with Toonies and Loonies. Uh, but my, my mom and dad, I said like, okay, I'm going to go buy this game. And they're like, well, you're not walking into Toys R Us with a a glass jar of toonies and loonies, (laughs) you know,
1: that's awesome. Uh,
0: and, uh, (laughs) they said, but you can like, we can, we can roll the money and then we can, you know, you can, we can take it to the bank and, and we'll pay for it, you know? And, uh, and yeah, I paid for it with my own money, but I remember, I just remember these moments of like getting it, like it's the first RPG that I ever finished. Probably the first RPG that I probably played. Like I didn't play a lot of RPGs, uh, a lot of those early Nintendo games for me were Super Mario, you know, the more traditional platformers and stuff. Um, and I also think that this this game is unique in the sense that, like, you look at that relationship between Nintendo and Square and you look at this game and it really hasn't been touched since its release. Uh, it never got a sequel, even though it did, I think, as far as I know, fairly well. Uh, but it was a late... SNES arrival, right? And uh but these characters have really never been given, you know, a follow-up. And when I say those characters, I mean like the unique characters that they introduced in Super Mario RPG like Mallow and and Geno is like a big one. Like everyone loves Geno. Um and like I think it took I was saying it took all the Smash Brothers that came out after Super Mario RPG to get like even just something I th- I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Geno is an assist trophy now. Uh he was like a collectible, I think, earlier on. Um, but yeah, like I th- actually now that I'm looking at it, it's like is he an assist trophy? I don't even know. <laughs> maybe it, maybe he isn't. Maybe he never even became. He never he maybe he never even became an assist trophy. I think he was a, a like you could buy like an amiibo fighter uh, outfit that looked like Gino. Either way, like it's just a huge like legal thing of like Nintendo was never or or maybe they never had an interest in like returning to this game because it was tied to Square. Obviously, all the Mario characters belong to Nintendo and they were able to make many spiritual successors, Paper Mario, Mario and Luigi uh, that took a lot of elements that were introduced in Super Mario RPG and kind of ran with it. So like the fact that we're even getting an RPG or sorry, a remake is like insane to me. It's so awesome like it's awesome we're getting a full remake i don't think it means we get a sequel after that or or a follow-up i think this is just the fact that they're doing a remake uh i would have even been stoked they said hey we're adding it to the virtual uh the snes virtual console offering
1: yeah sure uh
0: but i guess they're not going to do that uh, because they're they're giving us a remake i'd much prefer having the remake so um yeah, I'm I'm really excited that one comes out November 17th. So that's this year. This year that, that one's coming. Um and to me like the other big announcement it was a big Mario uh Big, big Mario show uh which I think normally wouldn't surprise me but uh, honestly Nintendo has kind of had like mainline Mario kind of take a back seat lately. Like there hasn't been a mainline Mario since Super Mario Odyssey in 2017. But they announced a Fully new 2D Mario, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. uh, And it basically takes the idea of like, what if Mario was actually on mushrooms uh, and runs with it? So what did you think of (laughs) Super Mario Brothers Wonder? I guess it's not mushrooms. It's like, it's like specific flowers that he gets that like turns the world all like, whoa, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to describe it. I, I'm sure everyone will know exactly what, what we mean by that. Um, yeah, so I'm one of those weirdos that actually prefers the 2D Mario games to the 3D, uh, 3D games. So I'm just excited to have another 2D Mario again. Um, and then in an ancillary form of excitement, um, I also have uh, three young kids the older two of which are old enough to to play games, and they play um, what's it called? New Super Mario Brothers Wii U Deluxe or whatever, like the the Switch port of the Wii U game um, with a crazy title. They play that pretty consistently, um, and I play that with them sometimes as well. So I, I'm pretty excited at the prospect of a new 2D Mario they, they tend to do a little bit better in the 2d environments than 3d as well. Um, though they do play Lego city. I think the, the 2d platforming is a bit easier for them. Um, so I'm excited for me because it's been a long time since there's been a new 2d Mario. Um, and then on top of that, it'll be another game that I can, I can experience with the boys. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one as well. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm happy for all the other, um, you know, the three other 2D Mario fans that are out there that will have, will have something new to play together.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was something about the art style, too. Um, it's not it's not just new Super Mario Brothers. It's not a new one of those. It, it is a unique sort of style to it. And like my brain was trying to figure it out. Cause it, it feels like a new take on 2d Mario in terms of the way that it animates and the way that it, that it uh, emotes. Uh, but it kind of felt close to that, like claymation style that you get with the, um, I want to say Erdman, but it's like, I don't know if that's the right folks, but it's the folks behind Wallace. And I got a Wallace and Gromit vibe just a little bit, like just a little bit. Um, It's definitely, you know, traditional Mario for sure, but there's just something in the animation style, something in the way the characters emote and move. It just feels like they've kind of, like, cartooned it a bit more, you know?
1: I remember when I first turned on the trailer, I remember thinking that, um, you know, it opens with with, um, small pre-mushroom Mario. And I just remember thinking, like, he has a very squat look to him here. Like, he's very small but he's kind of more a little bit fuller, I guess. I'm not, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but I I think the animation is different as well. Like it, it seems like it's more, it's a more full animation. Like it, it's not a higher frame rate necessarily, but it seems like, you know, when he's running, like his arms go through, there's more frame of movement, to make it look a, a bit more natural as opposed to just like the arms swinging back and forth, I guess it just feels like a more natural, fuller animation to me than than what I'm used to say, seeing. but then again, I'm also referring back to an old uh a Wii U game at this point, so that could just be <laughs> my uh my dated software playing tricks with me
0: yeah, no, I think that's right. like it feels like they've kind of like expanded upon the animation in a way that like makes it seem. Not yeah, makes it more natural. Makes it more like, uh, like it. Well, makes it more animated. I I think that's what it comes down to. Is like it feels like they've kind of like taken what can we do with Mario? Let's fill in this animation a bit. You're right. Like when you take the 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 new Super Mario Brothers felt like very much like a an extension of like the early sprite days where you had like you know that very simple movement right, and it's like let's get Mario across the screen. Let's get him moving. You know. and you know, that animation style, you see it in a lot of like the the, the Mario parties and, and stuff like that, where it's just that is Mario moving across a, a screen. But like this one feels different. It feels like a different approach. And um, I'm excited to I'm excited to play it like they they talk about, uh, you know, they talk about, um, uh, you know, Mario being able to turn into an elephant. Uh, they showed off like a lot of talking flowers uh, the way the world sort of changes when you you pick up a, a wonder flower or a wonder seed. Obviously, we've we've only seen two minutes of this game, and there's so much more to experience. Uh, they talked about you know new playable characters and and all that fun stuff. And and this game arrives o- October 20th, so not a long wait for this one. I love the way Nintendo uh, has been doing this lately, where they're like. Hey, this here's this new game, and it, and it comes out in three months. You know, uh, really, Zelda is the only one that they seem. And it comes down to hiring. I know it comes down to hiring because it's like we need hundreds of people to build this massive game, so we need to make it public so that we can we can do a hiring push, right? This has been talked about in context of Redfall and stuff, where it's like when you keep a game secret, you struggle to hire for it, right? Because you you can't right. explain why you should work you there job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was a good direct. It was very Mario focused. Uh, but again, like if you were wondering what Nintendo had on offer for the rest of the year, that's what they've got. Uh, before we jump to the big story, uh, or at least the more complex story, uh, I wanted to quickly touch on the fact that, uh, we have a new subscription, not the gamers in per se, but uh, a new subscription in the gaming world, meta quest plus a new vr subscription service which uh is launching in the us as far as i know like i don't know if it's um if it's like you uh not unique but uh exclusive to the us but i was having uh oh no never mind it is available in canada i think they were just struggling to get their support systems in place but essentially this is uh i uh, The best way to describe it is a duplication of what PS Plus offers the base uh, for PlayStation Plus, where you can pay a monthly fee to add um, two games a month to your sort of like subscription collection. Uh, And as long as you're subscribed, you can add those games to your library, but you can only play them as long as you're subscribed. And the price is eight bucks a month US and there's a $60 uh, US annual plan. And you can subscribe for the first month for a dollar up until July 31st. So your first month to be able to get uh, Pistol Whip and Pixel Ripped 1995. Uh, Those are the first two games in July for your dollar. And um, yeah, I think like the biggest sort of hurdle for VR uh, after the initial purchase is like, okay, now that I've spent hundreds of dollars on this very specific piece of hardware what do I play I've got to buy these like very specific exclusive games they're usually priced a little higher and they're usually a bit shorter experience so I think this subscription service will help if you're uh lacking in the software department for uh for video games to play on your new hardware um now travis are you are you a VR uh person have you have you dabbled with VR do you have a headset I I have
1: not I I think it's really interesting technology. It's something that I I want to follow and I I, I hope it becomes successful, but I'm sort of like <laughs> I sort of don't want to try it because I don't want to like it <laughs> myself. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, I'm sort of like you know I I play a lot of games now. Um, do I really want another way? <laughs> <laughs> to play games, um, and, and more hardware that I need to buy and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of the answer being yes. Um, and just, just being as content and happy with, uh, with gaming the way that I, I go about it now, uh, I've kind of avoided getting too far into it. Um, but I've talked to, um, some folks in the discord. Uh, I know I, I occasionally hear you and, or, or Crofton talk about it and, uh, it seems like the tech is coming a long way um i'd like to see the price point continue to drop um so that it can be a little more accessible to people i think that would go a long way towards uh improving the tech as well just it's not to say that it isn't good but the more if we make it more affordable it lowers the barrier to entry which then increases your install base and and can hopefully help the tech in the industry grow which i think would be a good thing um Anyway, that's I'm getting a little bit long-winded here. All that to say is, so far it hasn't been for me, but I'm supportive of the idea of of um, growth in that area. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. This seems like a reasonable price point at the eight, seven or eight dollars a month USD. Um, I, not being someone that's in the ecosystem right now, I'm not really all that familiar with these titles or what's currently available. Um, but I, hearing you talk about it, I I agree with your your analysis that it seems like it's a good way to sort of remove one of those issues of, Oh gee, now there's nothing to play. I'm, I'm so sick of beat saber. Um, so this at least provides an opportunity an affordable opportunity for people to get some hand, get their hands on some new software and, and refresh their experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even discover like some older titles that they, uh, cause pistol whip has been around for a bit. It's, it's a, uh, it's a pretty popular game. Um, and i i think there's uh you know I was talking about this in discord like M- meta is not a company that is uh well liked you know uh <laughs> not only are they not well liked they're not trusted <laughs> you know um from a privacy concern from a from even from a software concern there's been a lot of issues um with the way the the transition from oculus to to meta Quest, you know that sort of stuff but um they're the, the i think the subscription service like can kind of be seen as a uh as as kind of a positive for them because you know you've you got the Apple Vision Pro uh Apple Arcade which is also a subscription service is going to be offering some some Vision Pro experiences so maybe this gives Meta like a hey we've got a subscription too and uh, you can start building your library out now uh i think it's a positive thing um you know another subscription like yeah it's a lot to keep track of but uh if you're into vr and and you want to have some more experiences like i think this is a this is one way that you can you can do it it is by no means like a game pass offering you're not like subscribing and having access to a huge library you kind of have to like you know subscribe when you mean to or or do the whole year and claim your games and and that sort of thing so uh it's very much the playstation plus implementation here um But before we go, let's quickly talk about what Microsoft is doing. And and, and, uh, there's a huge, they're in court right now with the FTC. Uh, The FTC is trying to get an injunction, I guess, against this, uh, this purchase until the FTC has had a chance to sort of argue their case. Although right now they seem to be arguing their case. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, they're arguing for five days so that they can maybe argue more in August. So uh, we'll see. So there's been some interesting sort of tidbits that have have come out of this. And, you know, it's not done yet. There are are a few more days left, and then we have to wait for the judge uh, to make a decision. And um, I'm sure that will also take a while. (laughs) Um, So whether they're going to meet Microsoft's deadline of July 18th, which is just a few weeks away, uh, we'll see. But I think the biggest news, Travis, has kind of come out of um, Jim Ryan, the boss at Sony, uh, PlayStation. I I think he's the PlayStation division. I don't know if he's like Sony overall. Yeah, PlayStation boss, Jim Ryan. He's talked a lot about sort of this deal and how it relates to PlayStation. And uh, there's a great article here that IGN has kind of pulled the biggest headlines uh, out of his sort of video uh deposition and you know like we've heard some of this before um yeah he you know he says game pass is is a value destructive like publishers don't like it you know obviously microsoft says the opposite um but uh but yeah like it's uh, the other stuff is it, it's kind of like more of what we've already heard you know like playstation has been complaining about this deal for quite a while
1: yeah it I, I don't know, I just, it all comes off to me, and I, I don't mean to be dismissive about it, because they are obviously very complex, both business and legal concerns here. Um, but, I mean, some reading some of the comments, it comes across a little bit like sour grapes to me. Um, you know, some of the comments that, you know, like, we just using Activision uh, um, development as an example of saying things like, we don't feel like we'd be comfortable sharing specs with our next console with Activision if they're purchased by Microsoft, because now we would worry about a direct, direct competitor having access to specs for our console or whatever. And while that's a valid concern, um, you know, things like that, I'm like, well, you didn't have a problem with it whenever Microsoft bought everybody else. Um, and you run into the same the same issues. So it really strikes me <clears throat> that they're really just trying to make a case trying to find the trying to find the excuse that someone will accept um to shut it down rather than having a firm belief on any one particular thing that from a legal standpoint that this is not a valid deal. Um because again there there's all kinds of different things we're dealing with here. But if you're going to court, what you're trying to say is that from a legal standpoint, this should not happen. Not this is bad for my company, not I don't want this to happen, not Sony stock might dip, but they're actually saying, you know, we don't believe that it is legal for Microsoft to do this. And those are, in my opinion, very different issues. And a lot of the arguments that he's making seem to be coming more from a stance of, you know, Sony doesn't like this because it's going to hurt our stock price or it's going um, to de-incentivize, de-incentivize developers to take advantage of Sony-specific features. And while those are valid concerns, I don't necessarily think that they're legal ones. Um, so I don't know. All that, I guess, is to say that I- I'm interested to see how this plays out. Um, i don't necessarily ag- agree with uh <laughs> with sony's position here um but that's for the judge to decide so yeah. um yeah well i i guess I'll, I'll just sit back and wait but i think um yeah i think there's a lot of business um business arguments getting mixed with with uh legal arguments and if you say things like "Game pass is value destructive well that that's a business decision That's Microsoft's choice to make that decision that that's how they're gonna proceed from a business standpoint. That doesn't mean it's legal or not legal um so i I think uh yeah it comes it comes across to me like he's just trying to find the reason that will help him to achieve the result that he wants as opposed to having a specific belief as to why this should not happen but Um, as we said, that's why, that's why we have courts. That's why we have, um, judges and governmental bodies like the federal trade commission to make these types of decisions. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. I just, I hope it happens quickly because I think we're all getting a little, getting a little sleepy listening to these billionaires yell at each other, but maybe, maybe it's just me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think we've been dealing with this for over a year and a half now and it's, it's been a lot. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw the, the, the story that like, oh, like, uh, you know, Sony wouldn't share dev kits with Activision, you know, uh, a fear of Microsoft kind of learning trade secrets before they're before they're announced. And I kind of understood that. I was like, okay, like that makes sense. But as you said, like, I never really thought about that. Like, it's it's not a legal argument. Now, if you said like we had Activision sign a contract saying we'll give you these dev kits early, even though you're connected to the competitor. But if you let Microsoft know this stuff and we find out, we'll sue you to Oblivion and you agree to be sued to Oblivion. Like, then that becomes a legal argument. Like, that's a broken contract. I yeah, assume. and I mean, that's,
1: like, that's what NDAs are for. Uh, and yeah. I, I hate to, you know, I hate to be, like, calling in the legal thing or whatever. But, like, that's that's the point. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, it is just a piece of paper. So, if somebody rips it up or breaks the NDA, yeah, you're in trouble. But I, I, the you're trying to operate in the legal system. So, you need to play by the rules of the legal system. Like, the fact that it's bad for Sony's business doesn't mean it's illegal. Um, it, you're still perfectly allowed to be concerned about it. Um, you can be cautious and not want to um, not want to share your dev kits with that developer. But again, that's that's not a legal decision. That's not whether that is or is not against the law to do. That's is it within Sony's best interest from a business standpoint to take that risk? That's a business or or risk assessment type decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, and, and I don't know, I, I haven't, I haven't read any of the court filings. Um, I haven't even read all of the, the articles that are talking about it. Cause that, I mean, like we've been saying it's kind of a lot, um, but it, it seems like things are getting a little bit muddied, um, between those two aspects in my opinion. Um, so hopefully you know, hopefully the the courts and uh, these governmental bodies will will make the right decisions. Um, and they're they're certainly more familiar with the the law and the legal aspects than I am. So maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes,
0: yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, I think what I understand is this exclusivity play. Like you know, if it does come down to a legal standpoint, if you can prove that if Microsoft owns, Activision Blizzard they become a monopoly uh, or or become so big that they they become number one in the console business which is not going to happen like that's already been discussed like they are not going to be able to overtake Sony and Sony is even admitting like you know uh, Jim Ryan is saying like look like I don't believe this is an exclu- exclusivity p- play this is so that Microsoft has like a huge mobile offering with King Activision Blizzard is just the extra cool stuff, right? And uh, and then when a- when Microsoft asks, like, "Hey, like, so do you are you do you honestly believe that Activision games will stop coming to PlayStation?" and Jim Ryan says, "No, I don't. I don't believe that." So he's basically saying, like, "No, like the games that everyone's seems to be focusing on, which is like Activision Blizzard, not King. Like from a legal standpoint, that's what they seem to be focused on. Call of Duty." Call of Duty being a big one and then cloud gaming it's like no like if anything this deal is going to bring those games to more platforms and they've shown that with their with their cloud deals now after 10 years when those deals subside and Microsoft decides like nope it's all ours now like that could happen no one's signing signing like a, a an unlimited time deal like that's not that's not happening here but like They're arguing about the now and trying to figure out whether this is going to work. But all the arguments I've seen have been sort of in the favor of like, I don't see anything wrong with this acquisition going through, you know. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you're right. We'll have to see how it goes. There's still a couple more days as of this recording. Uh, I think um, Bobby Kodak is going to be uh, testifying as well as... uh, uh i think someone from google to talk about stadia like specifically about cloud gaming um i'm sure that'll be an interesting one as well like i think i think the ftc is kind of like set up these witnesses to try to find like this like point out this like gotcha moment of like this is exactly why this acquisition can't happen but that has not happened yet from what i've seen they've not gotten that moment
1: I, I agree. I, I also have not seen that. And the, the cloud gaming is another interesting aspect of it. That, and I think Jocelyn did a great breakdown on that on the show a couple of weeks ago, kind of providing a little bit more information on what both sides are trying to argue with cloud gaming. Um, and just the thing that I always keep coming back to is like, you know, there's a difference between something being advantageous to Microsoft and something being a monopoly. Um, and To me, no one has made the argument clearly as to or no one has made an argument that clearly shows to me how that line is crossed, how it becomes a point where Microsoft can now be the sole provider of something or that Microsoft is the only viable option. Um, So really what they're arguing in my opinion, if you if you like dummy it down to like real layman stuff, is what they're saying is, "Hey, it's beneficial to Microsoft if Microsoft buys uh, Activision." And it's like, "Well, yeah, of course it is. That's why they want to do it, but that that doesn't it's okay for them to get an advantage. Like that's how business works. that's you know if you if you have a problem with it, then you buy Activision. Um, unless you can't, <laughs> because you don't have the money. Like you are also allowed to pr- pursue acquisitions and pursue things to to give yourself an advantage in the micro in the in the marketplace. So Microsoft can do that too. And if it's determined that what they've done goes that step too far, then absolutely the deal should be shut down. My point is just that I haven't seen anything that clearly explains to me where this comes where this crosses into no longer just being advantageous to Microsoft and by association disadvantageous to Sony into a point where it's unfair for consumers or to the point that it's, it's a monopoly and Microsoft would have sole control over a specific micro, um, um, excuse me, marketplace. And until that happens in my opinion, in my, my vague understanding of (laughs) antitrust and monopolies, um, the deal should not be shut down unless something like that happens. So um, I will wait to see whether anything like that materializes or whether a court or governing authority can explain to me why it has reached that point. Um, But that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm sure (laughs) the deal is also complicated as you pointed out by Microsoft's um, Microsoft's pending deadline that they've promised to have the deal closed by, which is another interesting thing um, because it's, it's kind of out of their control Um, knowing that this requires governmental approval, um, setting a deadline for yourself and potential payouts if that deadline's not met is, is, uh, is an interesting issue. So um, I'm not really sure where that's going or how that'll affect the deal, but um, I mean, I, I, On that end, I side with the FTC. Um, You know, the the governing bodies need to take whatever time or or whomever it is that uh, is actually making this this decision. They need to do their due diligence. They need to research and get the answers that they need in order to accurately make the determination as to whether or not this gives Microsoft a monopoly. And if that means Microsoft misses their deadline, then, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. It's more important that we have the correct decision than that it meets Microsoft's timeline.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a really good point. And I I was thinking more about it as we were talking. Like, I feel like it's in Activision Blizzard's best interest if they do want to sell to either renegotiate or extend that deadline. Like, that's the only, that's the idea here. It's like, it's not like July 18th hits and the deal's off. Uh, They just have to, probably extend that deadline or renegotiate if, if they feel they need to. And, and, uh, but like if this sale doesn't go through, I almost wonder like, is Activision Blizzard sellable at that point? Like, is there another company big enough to spend the 70 billion and then not have to go through the same exact, co- like if, if the roles are reversed and PlayStation was buying Activision Blizzard, it'd be the same conversation that'd be happening. Like Microsoft would be making, they'd probably have more legs to stand on and that, you know, Microsoft is not number one in the console business. PlayStation is, but like, it's almost like Activision Blizzard becomes unsellable if, if they can't sell here. That's not also not an argument for them to just approve it. Because again, I agree with you. I think that these government entities exist for a reason. They need to make sure that these, these purchases make sense uh, for consumers as well as, you know, the marketplace and, uh, I think it's important that they do their due diligence and, and such.
1: It is an incentive, like you said. Um, it is an incentive for Activision Blizzard to agree to work with Microsoft and extend that deadline, rather than taking the payout, though, because that—that—that's what it becomes. The question of is, wh- however much Microsoft owes them, if it doesn't happen and the deal blows up because the deadline didn't get meet, uh, didn't get met, uh, it becomes a a question of does Activision Blizzard find it more beneficial to take that money and run or, you know, just go ahead and give it another month in hopes of getting the full value of what the deal was promised instead. Um, so I, I think that's probably what's more likely to happen. I also, I can't shake the feeling that if I were negotiating this deal, I would have that, that delay clause or whatever. I would have a carve out that excludes any delay by a governing body because that has nothing, you know, like, Microsoft shouldn't be penalized because the FTC took so took too long. Like that's not Microsoft's fault. Um, <laughs> no. but I, you know, I'm not at the table. I don't, I don't know how, they, what these guys are talking about or what Sony insisted Sony, excuse me, what, uh, Activision insisted on, but I, I suspect that July 18th date was put in place to kind of keep things moving, um, to make sure things didn't just stall out and nobody, you know, was, was progressing the deal, um, but my, my guess would be that uh, Activision and, uh, and Microsoft can work out some way to extend that in order to, because they, they obviously both have incentive to close the deal and finalize it. So usually when that's the situation, I think the sides will find a way to, to move the deadline to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I, I think this acquisition uh, goes until it, it is shut down. Or, or goes through. Like, uh, you know, I have no idea at this stage like what's going to happen, but I think one of two things will happen. Like, I think Microsoft will will finish the acquisition of Activision Blizzard and they will become part of Xbox uh, or they'll be shut down by enough government, you know, uh, like the FTCs of the world. And they'll be, okay, well, it does it, at this stage, it doesn't make sense to go forward with the deal. I think those are the two outcomes. I, I don't think, you know, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard walk away from the deal like i said like activision blizzard wants to sell and if this sale doesn't go through i i just i fail to see if there are other entities that, like outside of like a like a like a fund that purchases them you know and we've seen that before but but even like large acquisitions like even embracer group they're they're they did a bunch of acquisitions and purchases and and they kind of showed recently like one false move spending billions and billions of dollars on acquisitions and something falls through and suddenly you've got to make a bunch of cuts. So like, I just don't know if there's like another large entity that could purchase or want to purchase Activision Blizzard after everything that's happened uh, with, with this acquisition. So,
1: yeah, I think that's a good point as well. Like, like you said, you brought up earlier, are they, are they even sellable anymore? Um, Which again, I think incentivizes excuse me, more than anything, incentivizes the two, Microsoft and, um, and Blizzard to, or Activision to, to work on that extension to, because they know the bigger benefit is, you know, to wait and to figure out what they need to do to make, uh, to, to delay however they need to, in order to clear the FTC hurdles, which I really think, I mean, in my opinion, they should be able to, um, I, it's only the FTC that's that's holding up at this point, right? Like didn't the EU all cleared it at this point?
0: Uh, I think EU did, but it's the u k. that are still there's an appeal going on. They already denied it
1: oh, they did. okay. all right. so so I guess there are it's more than just the FTC. then there are still a few more hurdles, but it it does seem to be progressing, um, yeah,
0: yeah. It's getting there. And it, like here's the thing. We'll we'll. We'll cover it when there's big news. Uh, we won't. We've we've been we have been covering it over the last year and a half, and I think there will be definitely uh, a couple more beats from this specific FTC sort of injunction, injunction hearing. Uh, but uh, whether we hear what the judge has to say in terms of a ruling, that might take some time. Uh, but we'll continue to follow it. But until then. Jump into our Discord bit.ly slash tgi discord where you can chat all about all the fun stuff we talked about Mario acquisitions, Elden Ring, Final Fantasy sixteen. Not necessarily in that specific order, but you know it is worth mentioning that if you are playing Final Fantasy sixteen, there is a new post in our game discussions forum. So we're using that feature. We started with Tears of the Kingdom. We've expanded it to Final Fantasy. And if there's a game that you want to discuss, like a new big hit game, uh, let us know in Discord if you want us to open up a post. Happy to do it. The Final Fantasy 16 one was a request, so it is possible. Now, Travis, before we go, I want you to let everyone know at home where they can find you on the Internet. Yeah,
1: thanks. So the first place, um, the obvious place, as Ryan mentioned earlier, is in the TGI Discord. I am Travis Pixel Mountain in there, so feel free to drop in. Say hello and uh, give me your thoughts on Final Fantasy, whether it be sixteen or any of the other games. We can chat about any of that. Or if you're interested in uh, digital color work or um, some pixel, pixel artwork, you can check out my Instagram or Facebook pages. Those are Pixel Mountain Pop Art on both Facebook and Instagram
0: awesome yeah definitely check out his pixel art it's very cool i've got a I've got a piece behind me somewhere a couple zelda pieces so i really appreciate those uh and uh while you're on twitter visit us on twitter uh, you can find jocelyn at joss plays myself at r murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in speaking of the gamers in uh go to our website gamersinpodcast.com you'll find our show notes and all our past episodes all 565 plus episodes there And uh, yeah, thank you so much for staying at the Gamers Inn. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.
1: Bye, everybody.